morning church. Get on my stuff. Don't need this. Here you go, Kebs. Nah, she's not looking. How good is it to be in the house of God? Like, you don't get that. I mean, you can get that in other places, but it's certainly not the same, and it is certainly not to the, the richness and the depth. Um, where else do you get just moments to stand and soak and have your kids out already and not think about what is happening for lunch, although we all know what's happening for lunch today because we all get to hang out together. But moments like that are precious um, and are so worth prioritising. Um, and hopefully, I mean, half my message is being preached for me this morning already, so that's pretty good. Thank you, God. Let me find my place in my Bible. We're in Romans, uh, which has been great over the last couple of weeks. Pastor Bruce preached a ripper, and I can't even remember, was it Pastor Emma? You launched us into being the church or sent to be the church. So I get to uh, piggyback off the back of some fairly great messages, which is always nice. And I hope they have been sitting with you and I hope they have been something that you've taken out of this building and into your week. And if they haven't, I will get up to date with the podcasts tomorrow so that you can go back and have a listen to them. Because uh, if you're going to listen to anything in your week, I can guarantee that that will bless you. Um, I was just thinking I was down there, how do I introduce myself? Pastor Emma did, I do things in this church um, because I believe in building the church and I believe it's one of the best things that you can give your life to. Uh, but I have grown up in this church, so I have been the awkward uh, child in the kids' ministry doing that. I have then been the even awkwarder pre-adolescent teen who uh, I used to straighten my fringe by wearing a Nike visor and just tucking it under there and hoping the warmth would do the trick. Um, and I definitely wore uh, bright green tennis shorts for a number of years maybe to church. So I've been there, I've done that, come out the other end. I have lived my uh, uni life here. I've lived my single at home life, that was nice. No responsibilities, no bills, none of that stuff, thanks mum and dad, which also meant I was able to live my single uh, owning a house life in this church. Uh, I lived my dating and now my married life in this church. So I've been here for a while and I have seen some seasons and people have seen me in some seasons. So I, think I'm <laughs> I think I'm getting better with age, uh, but time will tell. So we are in Romans 8, and let's jump into it, otherwise I'll be out of time before I know it. Sorry, Romans 6 to 8. So flip back a little bit. Um, and I'm going to just give you a little bit of an intro. It sounds really positive to start with, always love that in the Bible. Uh, and we're talking about, so Paul to the Romans, um, and off the back of last week, he's kind of like, because God is so good and he's given us all this grace, what do we do now? Should we just keep on sinning and let God's grace cover us all? Answers no, just in case you were wondering. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how we can, can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten, there it is, let me remind you, that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we were died and buried with Christ in baptism, and just as he was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also live new lives. Huzzah, hooray, how good is that? Yes, it's that simple, isn't it? Since we've been united with him in his death, we'll also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified so that it might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. Also fantastic. I, I'm sure you feel like that all the time. No longer slaves to sin. Easy as that. 
Because when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he'll never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. And when he died, he died once to break the power of sin. And now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive through Christ Jesus. Amen. Don't you love when the Bible keeps going on? (laughs) I always remember those lines. They're not really, they weren't in the original Bible. It's just one long big document. So read through. Because the next line is what caught me and is where I've put my little mark. And it is, it goes on to say, so do not let sin control the way you live. I was like, hang on. Haven't we just been told we're free from that and it has no power over us anymore? So don't let it control the way you live. And there's a reason for that because who knows that it's not quite as simple as Christ died, raised again, and now I do nothing at all ever. I'm good. I'm righteous. I'm holy. Every action I make is a good one. Am I? Is that just me? Have I made it? (laughs) I'm not there yet because we know that there is this tension that we have. Do not let sin control the way you live. And so my question for you this morning is what do you let control the way that you live? What do you let control the way that you live? Because I certainly have various things that influence my choices and various things that control me that are not always good. A large large portion of them probably are worse than the good ones. So what do, you, what do you let control? And I love what it says in Romans 6, 16, so just jumping down a bit. It says, goes on to say, don't you realise that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? So what do you let control how you live? What do you choose to obey in your life? I read through Romans and there's a lot of sin and evil, And I like to kind of, when I first read that, I think, yep, murder, debauchery, like Netflix shows where people are getting killed all the time and stealing money and bank robberies. And so, like, it's all the bad stuff, isn't it? Like, none of us do any of that bad stuff. But sin is not as neat and, like, it's not black and white like that. So I thought, what does sin actually mean? It's used so many times in this scripture. What does it actually mean? And what's evil? Because I think like evil, I think like witchcraft and woo and like evil things, like someone coming to like get you. Uh, so evil, like, I don't know, Hitler, the stuff like that, you go to the worst. But actually, this is directed to the church and the people in the church. Don't let sin and evil control the way that you live. And evil is often just described as sort of those destructive actions that pull things apart or do damage. And sin is often just things that make us miss the mark. And so I have a prop for us all. Because I can't preach without a prop, it turns out. I've tried. This is actually just my escape plan. You're on your own. (laughs) Oh, I picked the wrong side. There's no door out there. Missing the mark. Which I missed my bow and arrow back here. Just chat amongst yourselves. (sighs) Kmart. 20 bucks, money well spent. Because last week, Pastor Emma mentioned something about regulation and stuff, which she's an OT and I'm an OT, but I don't know what she does. 
but you know, we need things to regulate. <laughs> she works with kids, I work with adults. She works with developmental things, I work with brain injuries, kind of the same, but very different. And so I often work with patients who need different ways to remember things. And so just talking at them is not helpful. So if anything, you've got a little visual. I'll try not to break anything, production guys. But I think of that, what do you let control the way you live? What do you choose to obey? Well, the other way to think of it is what are you aiming at? What is your focus on? They can stay there for a second. I love that in uh, Romans 7, I don't think I've read anything that really makes me feel as seen or understood as this bit of scripture. And it starts off in 15, I'll go from there, is I don't really understand myself. Anyone else? Yeah? So good luck, Lockie. I don't really understand myself. For what I want to do is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But I know that what I am doing is wrong. So that shows that I kind of understand the right and wrong. I know what God set for me. So I know what's good, but I still don't do it. All I know, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That's in my sinful nature. We sort of, you might hear it called the flesh, which I think helps me go like, yeah, I know what the flesh craves. Great food, late nights, binge watching, fleshy things. And, you know, extrapolate that as far as you like or need. Um, I don't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do, not, if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing it. It is the flesh in me. How much do people relate to that? It's like, I started running. I had a wise word from Pastor Bruce, actually. And this is all built in community. So filter this through the fact we're in church together. But Pastor Bruce was like, Emily, I think you're a little grumpier then what? I know. Always great when your pastor notices it. Um, and it was a kind word. It was like, I just think you're looking at the wrong things or you're getting stuck on the wrong stuff. And I was. I was completely. I was looking at things that were drawing my attention away from the good, from God. From I was looking at fleshy stuff. I was tired. All of that was in the mix. So I started running because I thought, well, there's a good way to discipline myself and get some action. Now, the flesh does not want to run. <laughs> The flesh would like to get home from work and sit on the couch and watch some Netflix. The flesh does not want to run. When the flesh does run, it doesn't know how to pace itself yet. So we're working on it. But the flesh and the, the flesh and the spirit or things that are bad for us and good for us. Like we know we know what's good for us and we don't do it because like we just it happens, doesn't it? There's things that we don't do. And so I've got some helpful questions or some thoughts for us around how we aim. And I, I think um, we've all heard repent and believe. It's a really classic scripture. God asks us to repent, so turn around or look differently and believe. Sometimes I like to think of that as a moment to stop and think. So when we have moments in worship like we did before, there are moments where we can stop and think because otherwise, I think all we're doing, I'm, I'm not even going to try. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it like a javelin. But if I'm aiming for this and I know this is good, and then I've suddenly got all this other stuff that's drawing my attention, and I'm looking out here, I'm going to get Tegan or Dave in the head. But if I'm looking in this way, I might miss. But the chances of me hitting my target 
are so much more accurate. God doesn't ask us to be perfect or hit the target all the time, but he actually wants us to live a life of intention where we stop and think and where we turn and shift our focus to him in everything we do. So the last one that I found really helpful as a, as a repent and believe is actually to rethink and trust. So rethink all of the things we're listening to in life Actually question, what am I doing? What should I be doing? Should I sit on the couch or should I go for a run? Should I be going to prayer nights on a Wednesday night or should I stay home because it's been a big week? Why has it been a big week? Well, I'm working five days. Why am I working all that? Like, we can get so caught up in life and just doing and doing and doing and repeating, repeating, repeating. I see it all the time in my um, clients who come into the hospital. And they've had a stroke, most of them. So they've literally had this in life where everything has stopped. And I had someone describe it as someone's like ripped the handbrake on. And for the first time in many years, they've actually had this opportunity to stop and think. And very few of them go back to living life the way they had been living life beforehand. Because they realise that in the busyness and the chaos of like holding aim and looking around everywhere, they had missed the target. They had missed the point. So rethink and trust. Where are you aiming in life? Are you aiming somewhere incorrectly intentionally? Are you just distracted by the speed of life? And so you think you want to be aiming here because you know it's good, but you've actually just got so many other things drawing your attention that there's no time to stop and think and aim. Where are you aiming? What do you let control the way you live? What are you choosing and what is it producing in you? Today is a good opportunity to stop and think, to re-establish your aim. And know, like I love the songs and how they fit because I've got here, learn, or not the songs, it's actually our women's daughters. Learn to yield to the spirit. Learn to stop and think, rethink and trust. Yield to the spirit and aim for his targets. And it's not to get salvation, it's not to, you know, get a gold star chart across your name, but it's actually because we know that's where peace lives and we know that's where joy lives and we know where that's where hope lives and we know when we have a moment like this in worship, we, we can sense it. I'm sure we all sensed it this morning. Like that is a grounding of how we should live life, not racing around, chasing all the other things. And so uh, I learned from the very wise Tim Scott that if you've read something in the Bible that seems familiar... It's probably somewhere else in the Bible, and it's probably in there twice for good reasons. And so I flipped over to Galatians 5, because when I thought about this tension that we have with the spirit and the flesh, and always doing the thing we don't want to do, and never quite getting it right, love that it's normal. That's actually just the flesh. We are flesh, so it's okay. But I love what it says in Galatians 5, and I've done it in the Amplified, so apparently we don't have enough data to the extra words in the Amplified or something, just doesn't fit. Um, we don't have it on our screens, but follow along with me. It gives us a great um, answer as to what we should be doing or where we should be looking. It says uh, in verse 16 onwards, but I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek or again yield to him and be responsive to his guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God or his precepts. For the sinful nature has its desire, which is opposed to the spirit, and the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. For these two, the sinful nature, so the flesh and the spirit, are in direct opposition with each other, or in brackets, continually in conflict 
take your bow and arrow by the sounds of it, so that you as believers do not always do whatever good things you want to do. But if you are guided and led by the Spirit, you're not subject to the law. You're not caught up in all of these things. Walk habitually with the Holy Spirit. Take aim on a daily basis. I don't even know how to hold a bow. Do you know what? There is something about doing this together. Because when I was at home and practicing my target, I'll take a shot for you. You know. Watch me miss. Sorry for my back. Nah, it's pretty close. When I picked this up, the first thing Lockie said to me was, do you know if you just hold it a little bit like this, if you use a pinch, if you don't try and carry a microphone at the same time, and if you look at... So he gave me these little tips that helped me just line up my aim. And I believe that's what happens when we come together in a community. The Bible wasn't written for us to read as individuals. The Bible was actually only available for people when they came to the synagogue together. It was built for community. So whenever you read me or I, it means us. We are better together. We are built to be in community. So if you don't know how to even start aiming, how to rethink and trust God, can I guarantee you that a good place to start is in church is part of being the church. So I was thinking through this, and I'd be like, so what takes my aim away? Like, what gets me distracted? What pulls me in all sorts of different directions? Um, And I think I've been pretty, like, annoyed at the world as far as the lies it tells us, because I think there is so much in this world that sells us a silly half-truth about how to live. And I don't know about you, I've read a lot of books... And when things aren't right, you know, you can go to a podcast, you can read a great written book. How many times have I gone to a book to tell me how to live without going to this book? I've gone to podcasts, we get a well-being email at work every single week. And so one of the things I think can cause us to miss our aim, uh, and it's a little bit controversial, but I love that, I'm going there. If you leave here feeling comfy, then we've probably missed the point because we're here to get changed and realigned and refocus our aim. But the whole concept of self-care, which has been out in public, I don't know what happens in your worlds and out in, but like I said, I get a weekly email at work, which is about self-care and well-being. And now don't get me wrong, I think it's good to look after yourself, but we've been hearing this for the last five, six years. And in that time, the prevalence of mental health of isolation, of loneliness, have all been on the up. So when do we think that maybe just looking after oneself is not the way to go about it and is just a subtle but sneaky, he's sneaky, a subtle, sneaky misconception of what the actual truth is. And so as I'm trying to take aim in life, I'm going back to here and I'm looking at what the word says. So self-care is exactly what it says. It's caring for oneself. Now, it's not a bad thing to do. But I think the way that we're called to do it is missing the point. So an example of it that I, um, I hear all the time is you've got to fill up your own cup, cup until you can help other people. And so I hear that. and I'm like, yeah, that sounds really good. That sounds great. That sounds correct. It sounds accurate. It sounds truthful. But we, I think we take that too far when it means that we isolate ourselves, when we put ourselves first, when we spend every night of the week at home by ourselves. A bath is nice. I knew it was wrong when someone said to feel good about yourself, you've got to replace the fruit with a donut. Uh, the donut with a fruit. 
I know, that's wrong. That is clearly wrong. Eat the donut. Eat two of them if you like. But this, you're welcome, Pastor John. But this whole concept that we get fed of self-care is so isolated and so insular. And so I go to the Word of God, and one of my favourite scriptures of all time that I remind myself often when I feel like just withdrawing and when I go, oh, I've got... You know, I've got prayer on Wednesday night, but I'm just so tired from the work week and I just need to stay at home and I just need to recharge. Proverbs 11.25 says, the generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And so putting other people first, now it doesn't mean you burn yourself out and you like forget to you know, drink water, eat food and do the basics, but actually self-care to the point of isolation and to the point of removing ourselves from community is not the way God has it. God says in John 7.37, now on the last and most important day of the feast, so you know it was like, we're learning in um, preaching pulpit training group, like what would you say if you get dragged out? Like what are you yelling from the microphone? So I feel like this is one of these moments where Jesus is like, this is the last and the most important thing. Jesus stood and called out in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He will fill up your cup. You don't have to fill up your cup yourself. Jesus fills our cup up. He who believes in me, who adheres to the tr- and trusts in me and relies on me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow continually flowing rivers of living water. So if we're hearing the world say, no, you've got to put all of yourself first. You've got to be here. You've got to do that. You've got to have this. And it comes at the cost of us being together in community. It comes at the cost of us coming to a place where we actually seek Jesus to fill up our cup. Then we're missing aim. Like we're missing target. Another one that I riles me up um, is all around why we work in our productivity. And I think it said it best when I got a little Facebook pop-up for the Australian Defence Force and they had their new promotional campaign. And the new promotional campaign is do what you love. Come to us in the Defence Force so that you can do what you love. Les is giggling. I'm pretty sure there's plenty of things, Les, that you did that you did not love and you didn't serve our country for that reason. Thanks, Les. I always cry on the microphone unexpectedly. Did it last time too. But I'm hearing time and time again people say, I've got to find what I love, I'll do what I love, and I'll never work a day. Find what you love, you'll never. I love my job and I work a lot. <laughs> and it's hard. And so we hear all these mistruths that just pop up in our feeds or we get in our inboxes or we hear from a book that we read that's not this book. We have to keep checking back to the truth. Otherwise, we're just going to keep missing the target. And again, it's not for our salvation, but we end up living feeling um, burdened. We end up feeling tired. We end up living feeling drained. We live without joy. The fruits of the Spirit are peace, their love, their hope, their joy. In Galatians 5, it talks about it. The practices of the sinful nature produce fruit um, that are not nice, like idolatry, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, factions, envy, drunkenness, riots, other things like these. But the fruit of the Spirit, the outcome of living with God as our focus and as our aim, is, and the result of his presence in us, is love, unselfish concern for others. Refresh others and you'll be refreshed yourself. Joy, 
inner peace, patience, love this, not the ability to wait, but how we act while we wait. Check that one. Uh, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When we work out how to aim and look at the right things, that is what gets produced in your life. And I think that's why I get so passionate about it because I watch people chasing all these other things and aiming at all this slight truth but mistruth. And I see people missing the target and then getting stuck living in a place that doesn't produce that fruit. And so that's why we're better together. Like I said, I have lived my life in this church from awkward puberty teen all the way up to marginally flourishing adult who still has her moments. But I wouldn't do it any other way because when I live in community, I live in church, I have people around me to help honed my aim. I have my husband telling me how I should actually hold a bow and arrow so that I produce fruit and occasionally hit the target. Like that, this is why we do church together. So in order to refine our aim, we need to be in the church. We need to be open to people's coaching and correction. We need to be in the word. Like we actually need to be reading this and checking against the word of God, not just listening to a podcast. I've been thought it for myself. Like I listen to Christian podcasts, but sometimes I listen to more of that than I actually just spend time reading God's word and what it says. And so like they seem like legit people. I don't know them though, so they can still be spinning all sorts of extra truths. Like we need to check what we're doing against the way of God. So what do you let control the way you live? What are you choosing on a day-to-day basis and what is it producing in you? Are you choosing things of the flesh because they feel comfortable, are they easy? Or maybe you haven't actually even stopped and thought. You've had no time because you're so busy. I think one of the examples, I'm, I'm aware of the time and maybe the team, you can come up and start doing the things you do. But for me, as an example, like of a rethink and trust moment, I remember I was busting my butt at work five days a week. I was, um, like it's an hour drive either way. I was getting home. I was spending my evening then organising music team stuff and there was youth stuff involved and I was just, I was exhausted and I was producing fruits that were not the like the pleasant, the pleasant Galatian fruits. Um, and I stopped and I rethought and I had to make a choice to trust. So I actually severed off a day of my work a week, a full day. I had a work colleague say to me, you know that's 20% of your income. And I said, get behind me, Satan. Because I said to her, actually, do you know what? I can produce, what God can produce through me when I give him space and time is so much more worthy than what I can produce working at things in my own strength. And so I want you to take a moment to close your eyes and to really take a a look at considering what is it that you let control your life? Is it fear? It's pretty fearful. I'm, I'm, you know, double income, no kids. Everyone says it's great. Probably the best time to own a house. But I wasn't double income, no kids when I did that. I was a single female, 23, went out on my own, cut off a day of work, also went out and bought a house. Like there was trust that was required in that. So, so often we can justify why we keep doing things, why we keep working so hard, why we keep putting other things first. But God knows what we need and He can provide it if we choose Him. I looked up my favourite scripture, Matthew 6. 
and my Bible was still in the Amplified. And I thought, good one, God, because it says all these things that we chase after, food, clothes, what we're going to eat, how we're going to survive. Everyone else chases this stuff. God knows that we need it. And so it gives us this advice. But first and most importantly, seek, in brackets, aim at. First and most importantly, seek or aim at His kingdom and His righteousness, His way of doing and becoming right, the attitude and character of God. And all of these things that you worry about will be given to you. Do not worry about a thing. So God, as we take a moment right now, we ask that you would help us stop and think, that you would help us repent. Sorry for all the couch sitting, could have been building other things in my life at that time. Repent and believe. But God, we ask that you help us rethink what we are doing and trust that your ways are better than everything else we hear. God, I pray that as people are just taking a moment in your presence, you're just gently guiding them to to stop and think about their weeks, stop and think about what they're seeking, stop and think about how much time they need for yourself versus how they can invest into someone else's world. You might be here and you might just not even know what you're aiming at. You might not even know who God is or that He even has a call for your life. That's a rethink. That's a big rethink. But that's a trust. That's a trust that, God, your ways are better. Or you might know, like me, where the target is, but you might have just lots of things in the way that distract you, that you put as more important or more valuable than just simply aiming to hit the target. And so the altar is open. I love the idea that altar is not, Pastor Emma said it a few weeks ago, it's not a place of always need or, you know, when disaster strikes is the, the first time we come to it, but it's actually a place where we get altered. So a place where we get shift in our lives. So if there's things that you feel like have just been controlling the way that you live, that you just want to make a stand and say, not today, not anymore. It might be a daily not today. It might be, it probably will be a daily not today. A daily pick up your bow and arrow. A daily work out where to aim. But I would invite you to come to soak. I can pray for you. God can work on you without me. <laughs> He's here for you. He loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Yes, hope and joy aligned for you. So what is it that you choose today? So let's all stand. We're going to let the band lead us in some worship. But I'm going to be down here. And if you need to respond, if you need to put some stuff on the altar, can I encourage you to do it before you leave today? And then before you leave, come enjoy a picnic in the company of people that are going to help you keep your aim on, your target straight, and you shooting well in life.